This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Good morning, Dan and Amy, and uh, of course, uh, several uh, important eulogies given at Senator John McCain's funeral service over the weekend. Um, Presidents of the United States, Barack Obama, George W. Bush. But of course, the the most poignant one was Meghan McCain's, his daughter. Uh, I thought it was well-crafted eulogy. Uh, she went political. And my reaction in these instances when somebody loses a loved one, clearly somebody that uh, you they had a very close relationship with, as it was evident, Meghan McCain had a very close relationship with her father, John. You can grieve how you want to grieve. I, I, I really don't want to, you know, provide a review or critique of it. But I know that there are some who will with respect to at least the political content yeah. that she offered. And this was her choice, her prerogative. But she took the opportunity with the world watching to uh, clearly take a shot at President Trump. He was a great man. We gather here to mourn the passing of American greatness. The real thing, not cheap rhetoric from men who will never come near the sacrifice he gave so willingly, nor the opportunistic appropriation of those who live lives of comfort and privilege while he suffered and served. He was a great fire who burned bright. And um, It was political. I mean, but there is some truth to that. And she also sort of... Um, I don't know if she was taking a shot. Maybe she thought she was taking a shot at Trump. It sounded like she was taking a shot at um, Cuomo to some extent, right? When she oh, said America right. was always great. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so maybe we're, I, I don't think the public should be hard on her. She is grieving and she was very, very close to her father. Also there, President Obama, McCain wanted him to speak at his funeral and Bush, don't worry, <laughs> who tried to be, you know, insert a little humor. Back in the day, he could frustrate me. And I know he'd say the same thing about me. But he also made me better. Yeah, he also recounted a story before uh, before his final debate with John Kerry, Mm -hmm. where he was a final debate of his political career, George W. Bush's in 2004. And he was a little nervous. And in the green room before the debate, he's you know, he's kind of like trying to just channel and find his inner balance eyes closed he opens up his eyes and he says mccain six inches from his face saying relax (laughs) that was pretty funny uh for uh, more on uh john mccain's life and times and funeral service and the politics that surround it we're pleased to be joined by another american hero this is a gentleman i got the had the pleasure to get to know a little bit about 15 years ago when he actually ran in the republican primary for u.s senate this was in the 2004 cycle uh he was a prisoner of war in Vietnam for six and a half years as well in Hanoi. He was a fighter pilot who was shot down and injured. Uh, His name is, well, he was Captain John Borling at the time, but then he went on to a storied military career. I mean, the awards that uh, he received, earned, are uh, too numerous to list, but they include a silver star, two bronze stars, and two purple hearts. General John Borling joins us general thanks so much for making the time we appreciate it 
Hi, Danny. Nice to be with you this morning from Bucolic, Michigan, as Bu- it turns out. Yes, well, um, we miss you in Illinois. Uh, by the way, I should mention, too, also a man of letters. I mean, this, during his time in captivity, he wrote a collection of poems that he turned into a book, Taps on the Walls. Um, so, I mean, just... Uh, well, it's, it's, good of, it's good of you to mention that. Uh, the actual construction of that book, you may recall, Dan, was something I composed mentally. There was nothing to write with. Right, yes. So, right. Uh, so I just carried that stuff around with me and tapped it through the walls, that's the name of the book. And, in fact, Megan, in her words, talked about tapping through the walls uh, as you were talking about the eulogy. Uh, and uh, others memorized them, too, as an exercise uh, in keeping mentally active. I taught French through the walls. I learned Spanish through the walls. Uh, <laughs> we were in isolation or semi-isolation for years, as you may know. And then uh, in 1970, a little later, they started putting us together in big groups for various reasons. And it was there that I lived with John for a while. It's just remarkable. I mean, it's a, if you can, tell us about that experience in captivity with McCain. Well, uh, John was, uh, I mean, over the years, you, you, what you see is what you get. you got a, a guy who did so much, uh, created so much admiration uh, from so many, on the other hand, was an abject failure and incurred enmity from so many. So it uh, was a pretty normal life for a guy who's high profile, and I think it, most of us look at our lives or look in the mirror on a much lesser scale, certainly for me, uh, I can I can uh, see the same thing, that you, you go through life, you stub your toe, you stand up, you keep marching, uh, you try to do things that are important for uh, God and country, and, and, you, uh, and, and we had a perfect example of last night in Michigan. What's a perfect example? And I, it was almost if John McCain uh, was present, I mean, in terms of the spirit. And that is, we had a tornadic-like storm come through our area. Trees down on top of houses, people uh, unable to get out of their houses, cars squashed. I mean, it's going to be in the paper, I'm sure, uh, tomorrow, uh, that big band of storms that uh, came through here. We had one like it 35 years ago. And the same thing happened. All the power's off, power's still off. Uh, we It was chainsaws and getting people... Uh, tarps over roofs where homes have been damaged or neighbors. And, and it was a great sense of uh, well-being in the neighborhood. And we're up here. Uh, power lines are down. Uh, we banded together with food last night and had an outdoor uh, get-together. And this is the kind of spirit uh, that uh, I think John wanted to see not only on the local level, what we all want to see on the local level, but we want to see on the national level as well. When you two were so, prisoners of war with others, and you you finally were in you know either the same room where you, you were able to to talk face to face, did what was he like? Just tell us about his character and his demeanor. Oh, his, he uh, you know cheerleader was he inspiration? Well, I write poetry, as you know. This book taps on the walls and buried it for forty years, and then John did the uh, the forward to it and was one of the one of the motive forces saying, "Hey, you got to publish that stuff that you." conceived up there, but uh, John uh, had uh, a spirit, an effervescent spirit. Uh, uh, he had a, a great sense of humor and, uh, and a great outlook and optimism. Uh, you know, we had optimists and pessimists up there. Are you familiar with that? Very. Uh, yes. yes. Yeah, well, the pessimists thought we were going to die up there, and they weren't even going to send our bodies home. 
but the the optimists uh, were convinced they would send our bodies home. <laughs> that's very funny. That's, that's either a boiling original or <laughs> that, wrote about well, you know, you, you don't. Wow. Know, you don't. You don't know what yeah. to. Yeah, you don't know what to uh, laugh at. I mean, it's gallows humor, but I. Yeah. Um, well, it gets you, it gets you through every yes. time except once. But who's counting? You know, <laughs> uh, uh, the uh, so the, the first thing is that resiliency uh, and that sense of uh, of forward looking and uh, but a great sense of humor. And in the end, uh, I think that's one of the marks of public men that we look for is that depreciating sense of. Uh, of uh, humor that that uh, thought that you don't take yourself too seriously and yet you do serious business serious work and uh, you try to advance the cause of the country i i'm sitting up here reminding myself that all those who favor huge government and uh, and socialism you know what they you know what they use before they use candles what electricity <laughs> Uh, let me uh, ask you this, though, about um, just as, as on the, the POW experience. Um, yeah. Much is made of McCain choosing not to go home when he was given the opportunity to do so. How inspirational was that decision that he made? Uh, very. Uh, we had a rule that was uh, capped through the walls, through the chain of command, that uh, nobody went home uh, without uh, nobody went home early. Uh, without uh, express approval by the chain of command, and we wanted to go out with the sick and wounded first and the uh, and the people that were up there the longest. And John, because of his extreme uh, injuries, uh, notwithstanding the fact that he had a certain notoriety as a son of uh, Sinkback Commander, mm-hmm. uh, the Admiral uh, in charge of uh, the Pacific, if you will, uh, was put under a good deal of pressure uh, especially as the years went by, to accept early release, and he was steadfast and uh, rejected that. There was only there were some early releases. Uh, we did not. Uh, I think as a group, we were not proud of them. We did not sanction them, save in one case, and that was a fellow by the name of Doug Hegdel, who was a seaman, basic, who fell off a ship in the Tonkin Gulf and was swimming around uh, and got picked up by by Vietnamese. Uh, authorities or fishermen, and they thought this guy was a CIA swimming to shore to do something <laughs> outrageous, and they tortured the hell out of him uh, yeah. until they figured out he was just, you know, kind of a basic seaman because it was reported in the paper. And uh, and Doug Hegdel, uh, this was before our names were public, uh, memorized, as we all did, all the names that were in the system passed through the walls, and he was offered the opportunity to go home early, and he got the blessing of uh, senior leadership and went out with his head held high and took all our names out so people would know we were alive. And oh, you stayed close. Wow, that's yeah. interesting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You stayed John, close. John resisted that. John resisted that to the end and took a lot of grief. Uh, I mean, the, the, the early years, as you know, were horrific in terms of isolation or semi-isolation and brutal treatment. Uh, it, it never approached Geneva Convention standards, but it got up to something more tolerable uh, in, in the 70s and beyond, or we never would have made it. So the object, again, wasn't to survive as much as it was to survive with honor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wanted you guys to be proud of us. And that, looking back over those many years, I think if you look at the uh, accomplishments and the attempts of advancing the, the cause of America, 
by that group, just by that group, uh, in different ways. Every every guy has left uh, footsteps uh, that can be traced uh, because we committed to, to try to do that over time. I'm working on something now called Service Over South America, SOS America, that uh, I believe uh, has a way of of kind of nation building in America and uses the military as a launch point. We can talk about that at a later time. if you. Yeah, we will. And we honor you for your service and what you went through is just, I mean, you're a true hero. And so is Senator John McCain. When I lived in Arizona, he was my senator too, but um, you're very generous. That's a big term. I've served with some and stood in the shadow of others, but it's not a mantle I would choose to assume. Right. Uh, but thank you for uh, thank you for kind words. Just, I think John's uh, example is going to go on uh, to uh, and be with us for a time. Uh, but in the end, we've got to focus on the here and now. Uh, we've got some big things coming up in November in terms of the midterms and the political process goes on, and we the people. Uh, have a chance to express ourselves uh, and ask, in fact, demand from government uh, the kind of responsiveness to national uh, concerns and needs, where by the, re, the, the respect for the individual and the equality of opportunity is is respected. Uh, so I'm uh, I'm no less passionate about the future of America. Uh, today than I was yesterday or 40 years ago. Do you have any uh, comment, uh, speaking of kind of service over self and the future and as well as the here and now, uh, any comment on our politics uh, in the context of the, uh, the eulogies that were provided uh, McCain over the weekend and just kind of in general with a look ahead to the midterms? Well, again, I think families are entitled to expressions of grief and expressions that, uh, you know, it's like you write a paper uh, 20 years ago and you go back and look at it today and you cringe uh, (laughs) sometimes or things that you said or done. Uh, Barney Frank, God love him for all of his inconsistencies, uh, used to say, you know, I don't always agree with everything I say. And uh, I think that uh, I think that's an apt quote. But my concern about the political system is that we have over time in America, hundreds of years, created a circumstance where politicians are entrenched. And uh, and John favored term limits. Uh, in fact, the night he made his speech at the Biltmore uh, in a gracious way, uh, recognizing the uh, presidency of uh, the election just over with o- uh, President Obama, uh, you know, I know considered seriously. Uh, we chatted about it, about, you know, that's it. I'm going to retire and become a senior statesman. But the lure of the Senate and the thought that he could have greater impact uh, kept him uh, in that chair. But I think if he could have gotten term limits uh, from top to bottom, uh, federal, state, local, uh, uh, somehow in, uh, inscribed into the, into the law of the land, uh, that he would have gone for that. And all the arguments about, well, you're going to let staff rule things. Staff rules things anyway, if you really know about it. Uh, and you can have equal circumstances where staff turns over. I mean, it's a tough job, congressional staff or uh, at the executive branch or judicial branch, for that matter. Uh, and people float in and out. But I'm a believer that people who are long in office ought to leave, especially those people who stood up to the electorate and said, gee, just elect me for a few terms and then I'll go away. And then they don't. And I view that as a breaking of faith, big time. So uh, if there's one thing we can do as a people, I think, is to vote out 
those who have been in for a long time in favor of new blood. Well, then nowhere is that more pressing than Illinois, that's for sure. He is General well, John... 40, 40, I'm sorry. 41, you know, I know Mike Madigan a little bit, but 41 years is not political or democratic accountability. It's bloody tyranny. And if we as a people don't mm-hmm. uh, understand that, then we get... And I'm the guy from Illinois. I'm not moving out of Illinois. Uh, but... Uh, uh, just on the face. Hell, the Communist Politburo didn't hang around that long. Uh, So, not that I I feel strongly on the matter. Yeah, right. He is General John Borling, retired United States Air Force Major General. He was a POW for six and a half years in Hanoi with John McCain. Uh, Whether he wants to be called one or not, he's an American hero, and we honor his service and the service of all those who were held captive with him and all those who served. General John Borling, thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Talk to you again, Dan. Amy, thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. This is The Morning Show. More Chicago radio listeners are choosing. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer.